0: Dear brother, God bless you. I'm going to need that before I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you so much today. And remember Sandy, she told me she was 100% better, and so was Dennis, and then she had a setback as well. But God has brought Dennis from really emergency room. critical condition back to where he is now and we're just we're just thankful to the lord he's been faithful praise god turn with me to hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22 we're still going to talk about today this is a second edition how many were here last week or did you hear a message on getting rid of the stain of guilt getting rid of the stain of guilt amen the bible said we're to We're to despise even the garment that is stained with the flesh. Amen. Because the flesh will cause us to sin if we give in to it and do not crucify it. The the sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. That's a lyric from There's Power in the Blood. Sin stains are the most easily removed stains. It is not minimizing the seriousness of sin. That's why there was a sacrificial system based on the shedding of blood. Many times I've been asked uh, as a pastor, why blood? Why did the lamb's blood have to be sprinkled? Why did this blood have to be shed? Why, why is it always about without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sin? Because number one, God wanted us to know the seriousness of sin to understand that it's it's easily forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ but it cost so very much our sins cost him his shed blood and his suffering on the cross my sin and your sin put him there We can blame the Sanhedrin, we can blame the the priests who certainly are blood guilty over that. We can blame Pilate, we can blame Caesar's Rome, but ultimately it was our sin that put Him on the cross. And the blood sacrifice system is to remind us of the seriousness of sin. We don't take sin as serious as God does. There's a lot of things that that wouldn't bother us like it bothers God because we're not holy as Him. And for the holy people in here that think you are that, to that level of sanctification, oh, that's pride and that's one of the things that ruins your holiness. Can you say man? We're not holy as God. That's why we can't cast any stones. We don't sit in the judgment seat. We sit in the seat of uh, the witness chair. We're here to bear witness to a salvation that is Blood bought and blood brought to us. Can you say amen? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The stain of sin is easily removed through the blood of Jesus. The moment we pray. We, you know we're authorized to tell the worst sinner that's ever lived. That there is forgiveness. Provided through the blood of Christ. Amen. You and I are authorized to go down death row. Walk down among those cells. Look in the bars at someone that took an innocent life and is waiting to be executed. That they can be forgiven and that their sin can be remitted. They can't go back and undo what they did, but they can be forgiven. And if you don't believe they can be forgiven, you don't understand grace. You have no understanding. I preached one morning and a lady came down. They were actually visitors from from Arizona. She was Indian. Uh, uh, I don't know what, Navajo, I don't know what type of Indian, some of you were here when they came uh, from, and they listened to, let's talk about Jesus on the radio. She came down after the service and she said, Pastor, I've got a sister-in-law, I believe it was, or a sister that is in such deep sin. And, and she's just come to the Lord. And, 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 and But she was in such deep sin. And she was wondering how God could bless her with that kind of a past. And I, I tried to teach right here at the end of a service, grace is unmerited favor. You can't earn it by turning over a new leaf. You get a new life in Jesus Christ. You can't add to it. It's no longer a gift if you do. And it was I could see she was having difficulty understanding grace. There's something about our human nature that wants to earn and wants to merit, and wants to deserve. Everybody say mercy. mercy. When you come to the throne of grace, it's a, to obtain primarily mercy. And then grace to help. If you want to know what comes first, it's in Scripture. Let us come boldly, with courage and confidence, before the throne of grace to obtain. You'd think grace would be first. It's the throne of No. Mercy has allowed grace to flow. That we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. And that means no matter what the need is, mercy and grace have to be in operation before the need can be met. No one can come to Jesus telling them how much you deserve whatever you're asking for. No one's going to go to heaven by presenting to him a list of all the good things to weigh against the bad things that you're sure will tip the scales in the right way. Amen. No one. It's not of works. We're created unto good works, but works in and of themselves do not qualify you for heaven. Because you can't be sinlessly perfect. In that case, no one can go to heaven. If works could save you without the blood of Jesus and without the mercy and grace that flows from the cross, then Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. Amen. But he had to go to the cross. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sin. Hallelujah! I'm I'm just I, we. we I, my wife didn't know that we were going to go into this phase of this teaching, and and here I am looking at the merits of the blood of Jesus and studying them anew and afresh, <laughs> and and when she asked for prayer at two o'clock in the morning, I'm in there studying at one thirty, and she says, "Pray for me." I got I just feel I got to have prayer right now, and I prayed for it, and and then she turned on. Uh, a song on the computer. <laughs> what can wash wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I said, what a coink <laughs> Here I am studying the merits of the blood. Praying for her for deliverance, and the song that she chose to seal that prayer with is is not about healing. It's about the blood of Jesus. But then it is about healing, then, isn't it? Because it's with His stripes that we are healed, spiritually and then physically. Hallelujah. That's why I said I believe there was a breakthrough at 2 o'clock in the morning about her physical need. I really believe that today. And when I get home today, I'm, I'm going to find a woman feeling better. How do you know, Brother Venable? I know. I just know. I just know that I know that I know. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, <laughs> sin stains are lost, speaking of the blood of Jesus in its life-giving flow. Sinners lose all their guilty, guilty, guilty. Say guilty stain. Sin stains are removed so quickly, efficiently, effectively. Absolute forgiveness, absolute remission of sin in the new covenant. But guilt stains, that's our memories of our past. Guilt, guilt, guilt stains are the hardest stains to remove. And they will hold you back From coming before God's throne the way we're instructed to. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly. Before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help at the time of any In Lamentations chapter 3. Israel has sinned, they've rebelled against God, Jeremiah has preached to them, they did not listen. No wonder they called him the weeping prophet, his heart was broken when he saw what was happening to the covenant people. They went into captivity as a corrective judgment, a punishment for their sin. And he saw it all coming down, it all happening, it didn't have to happen. If they had repented, they would have been restored. And he said, when I see all of this, and I consider it, he called it, when I consider the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness, the rottenness that, that is settled into this whole nation that has a covenant with God, amen, that are supposed to be the head and not the tail, amen. Blessed going in and coming out, sitting down and when you rise up. Isn't that an incredible blessing to forfeit? To compromise their covenant with God Almighty. And and he's not winning them. They're not listening. He got so discouraged in his preaching ministry. Called and anointed, sent by God. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. Some preaching is not to see result in terms of people responding. Some preaching is to be a witness so people can never say... I wasn't given the opportunity. No one came and ministered to me. Amen. Can you say "Man, amen? Amen. amen. I don't get discouraged when everybody don't come to the altar. Nobody. I don't expect everybody to come. But you might get an altar when you get home and make an altar out of your couch or your easy chair. Amen. But even if you don't, somebody has told you. You can't say between here and eternity. If you go into captivity for lack of knowledge, it isn't because some knowledge is being given you here. Can you say amen? Amen. And they that do know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. Praise God. Amen. So this stain of guilt. Last week I told you what happened to me. I found out I'm not the only one. I woke up remembering sins from my teenage years. You say, well, you must not have sinned a whole lot, just your teenager stuff, honey. <laughs> you can do a lot of sinning in your teenage years, can't you? Come on, John, give me a bump. <laughs> Come on. We, how many were lost before you got saved? Yeah. Amen. And I had never had this happen in all of these years as a Christian. I came to Christ at 20, 12 years old. What? I fell away from the Lord. And that's when the devil just wanted to wrap me up. And he, I, I, sin, I had more opportunity to sin after I fell away from the Lord than I did before I came to the Lord. It's like sin came looking, I went out looking for sin until I came to Christ. But when I came to Christ, sin came looking for me. I had more opportunities to sin after I came to Jesus than I did before I came to Jesus. Why? Because the devil wants me back. He wanted to wrap me back up. He wanted to put those chains that God broke back on me. And if he can't get this, me to sin, then, then he wants me to, to not believe that God has fully forgiven me and accepted me. But the Bible is clear what the blood of Jesus has accomplished for us. But even if we accept that, then he wants to keep the guilt in us from the past. And I woke up, as I said last week, thinking about things that happened that I regret so much. And if I could go back and undo it, I would undo it. But things that I did when I was a teenager. Now the devil's getting desperate If he has to go dig that deep and go that far back to try to put guilt back in your conscience and take away that boldness. When I go to pray for someone that has a desperate need, I can't afford not to come boldly before the throne of grace. I can't be timid. I can't be have something that the devil can raise up at that crucial critical moment and say God won't hear you God won't answer you because of this because of that well see we got to get this and that taken care of today the stains of guilt follow people their whole life and I dare say that many of us in here will battle with that particular issue in our life Because the longer you live, the more opportunities we have to fail and need forgiveness and restoration. Everyone needs repentance. Because if we don't acknowledge that, then we're lying. We're saying, in essence, we have no sin. Congregations all over America are sitting in church saying... We have no sin. How do you know? Because no one's repenting. It's business as usual. Amen. There's no revival because there's no repentance. There'll never be revival without repentance. You can't get revival by having a guest speaker that is on television or, or has a, uh, albums out, guest singers. It, it comes through, through saying, Lord... Look at the things I've omitted and look at the things I've committed. And Lord, I am sorry and I want, to, I want to change direction. I want to go in a different direction than I've been going. I want your blessing in my life. I need my prayers answered. I can't afford, amen, to give in and compromise. So when I pray, I can't believe God that he's going to hear and he's going to answer. I cannot afford that. Some years ago, a cartoon pictured a psychologist talking to a patient. Mr. Figby, he said, I think I can explain your feelings of guilt. You're guilty. Amen? What did the Bible say about that? The Bible said we've all... So if you think you're one of those exceptions or you know someone who is... I've had people tell me if anybody's going to heaven, she is. If she's going to heaven because she's so pure, so wonderful, so just anything, without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, it doesn't matter how good she was. She may be the most godly woman on this planet, but she can't go to heaven because she's godly. She can only go to heaven because blood was shed in her behalf. You say, but she didn't have any sin. Oh, you, you don't look where God looks. You didn't see anything that you think would qualify as sin. God says we've all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Everyone needs repentance. Everyone. My great-grandmother was one of those godly women. She would tell me all the time a good name, Bobby." A good name is to be chosen, and I think it might be up on their website. A good name should should be chosen over great riches, a good reputation, living pure, living, holy, living right. should live pure, holy, and right. I was with her at the end of her life deal. My wife and I went in, and she had never received the baptism in the holy ghost, and she w- she was felt bad about that. she always wanted to receive the baptism. And she she was dying, literally. They said she just had hours to live. She's dying at home. We were in the room with her, my wife, because she said, I'm cold. As her circulation slowed down, my wife got in bed and cuddled her and was holding her. And she said, Bobby, Bobby, one thing I regret. Actually, two things she said. Number one, she felt bad about having opportunities to go to God's house and worship him, and she didn't take it. So there was that guilt. There was that guilt. She said, another thing I feel bad about, I always wanted to receive the Holy Ghost. And I, I never did. And I said, Meemaw, she was my Meemaw. You got a mamma, you got Meemaw, you got Nana. Nana. Yeah, I'm Pop-Pop. <laughs> when they were little. And now I'm, I'm Grandpa or Papa. Papa is what they call me. They went from pop pop to papa because I'm way too cool to be a granddad. Amen. Hallelujah. It's probably pride. I'll repent as soon as this service is over. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I said, Mima, God loves you so much. I said, Let's just pray right now. I said, You can you can be forgiven. You can be, you can receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost right here, laying in this bed. Isn't an amazing thing? The grace of God, mercy and grace. Hallelujah! And she, we, we prayed with her, and she, she said, "I believe, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it." And she sat up. She said, "Bobby, help me up." And I helped her stand on her feet. Now you have got to understand, she's dying. And where's the strength coming from? To stand on her feet. She stood up on her feet, lifted both her hands to heaven, and said, Yanda da labasiti yanda da See, once that guilt is resolved, that faith rises to God. The Bible said if our hearts condemn us, God's greater than our heart and knows everything. But if our hearts condemn us not We have confidence toward God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When that guilt is gone in our conscience and we accept that our sins are completely, fully forgiven and forgotten. Amen. We're open. See what kept her from receiving. That guilt is gone now. She prayed. She confessed before the Lord, asked forgiveness and received it and accepted it. And got up and got filled with the Holy Ghost on her deathbed. Amen. And then she did a dance. Like David with whatever might was left She began to sing an old song From back in the mountains Let's go on Let's go on. And I can see her right now Let's go on Let's go on Now the woman is dying She's got hours to live She had been in a kind of semi-coma Before she woke up and became lucid Let's go on Let's go on Talking about and I'm trying to hold her up Think she's going to fall You know let's, let's go on Let's go on Talking about this good old way Let's go on Let's go on Talking about the Lord oh, Let's go on Let's go on talk. And I'm holding her And she's going like that And I'm thinking Don't you understand <laughs> what, what the Holy Ghost was on her Amen Hallelujah Praise God The spirit of life in Jesus Christ Sets us free from the law of sin and death Hallelujah. And she was enjoying her freedom. At the last time, moments of her life, her guilt was gone. Her sin was forgiven. And she was ready to take wings and fly away. Which a few hours later she did. Peacefully. Sweep. But she was a woman that I would say, if anybody's going to heaven, it's going to be her. Because of her personal holiness. Your personal holiness will not get you to heaven. There's no one in this room going to get to heaven. Anybody been in a communion service? What are we commemorating? The Passover. The Bible said Christ, our Passover, has suffered for us. Amen. What's the Passover about? Amen. It's killing the firstborn In all of Egypt, except for those who are the covenant people of God, who two weeks before, 14 days before that event, were told to go out into their flocks and take a lamb without spot and without blemish. Bring that lamb into the house. Don't let it out anymore. That is a designated lamb. That lamb is going to be killed on the 14th day. The blood is going to be caught in the basin. The flesh is going to be boiled and eaten by the family. And the blood of that lamb, on the 14th day, they dipped hyssop. Didn't have Walmart go down and buy a paintbrush. They dipped hyssop, the hyssop plant, in the blood. They applied it to the threshold, the, the lintel, the side post, And because this wasn't a brush, you've done the painting, good brush, it'll stay where you put it. A cheap brush, it'll drip all off the brush. Amen. This is a bad brush. It dripped on the threshold. And that meant that blood touched every part of that entryway. And God said, when I see, when the death angel comes... And he's taking the firstborn out of every family. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We used to sing that at camp meeting. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. Everybody, regardless of how holy they were, or unholy they were, inside that house, their only hope of salvation was applying the blood. Amen? Our only hope, but the great hope that we have, is because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. So the Bible said in Hebrews 10, Let us draw near with a true heart, In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, literally a conscience defiled by guilt. Paraphrase, says let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Now this goes way beyond water baptism, which is a type of a spiritual thing that's occurred. What are we cleansed by? Cleansed from that sinful lifestyle. What, what really sanctifies us? Amen. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and cleansed it by the washing of water by the Word. And how clean? Somebody say, how clean is that? That He might present it to Himself a way that you can't present yourself to Him. That it might be presented unto Himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A glorious church. I was around people that thought they could present themselves in that condition. And it had to do with whether you had long or short hair. Oh, come, on. Oh, come on. If you cut your hair you, you 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 were not you know, you were not sanctified. I went and preached at a radio station in Merritt Island. I was holding a meeting in Merritt Island with another man. We we preached one night back and forth. Had a great contingency of Catholics that came to the meeting. Catholic nuns in their habits, carrying a New Testament, listening to the Word of God, hanging. Oh, I love that Catholic audience. Amen. Because when you take it from Latin and put it into practical plain English and they see what is theirs in Jesus Christ, they get excited. Those nuns came every night. Praise God. And after they left, they weren't nuns no more. Well, I mean, they were Catholic nuns, but they were full. Amen. They got filled up, praise God. Hallelujah. With the Word of God. He loved the church and cleansed it. The washing of water by the Word. Amen. Amen. Baptism isn't going to make you sanctified. Baptism doesn't sanctify you. You don't live a clean life because you got baptized in water. You ought to. But that don't make you do it. But the word of God, if you get the Word of God in you, it'll be a lamp unto your feet. It'll be a light unto your pathway. And Jesus said in John 15, Now you are clean <laughs> through the Word that I have spoken unto you. Praise God. If you get the Word in you and you start obeying it, it's going it's to lead you in a right pathway. Amen? Praise God. Your conscience clean from the guilt is so powerful, so wonderful. While we may chuckle at the cartoon, it hits a nerve. Before God, we're all guilty of violating His two great commandments, which sum up all of His commandments. You know, you never see the two commandments, do you? You only see the ten. But the Bible said on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, mind, soul, strength, and body. And thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you're trying to keep the Ten Commandments, you'll never make it. They're your schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. They point out the fact, oh yeah, we broke the first two. We've all broke the first two. I love God with all my heart. That's not enough. You've got love with your mind, soul, and body. Strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Total selflessness. Unselfishness. We've all failed in that area. You don't even need to go any further. Because if you love your brother, you're not going to covet his money. You're not going to covet his wife. You're not going to steal from him. You don't need somebody to tell you not to do it. If you love him, you just won't do it. Amen. Amen? So... But you'll never find in a Christian bookstore the two commandments. It's too simple, and yet on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Amen. Can you amen just a little better? This is the word of God. You, you. Some people are acting like Brother Venable saying things that I don't agree with. But well, it's not. I'm telling you what God said. Come on. You say, well, my denomination, I'm not interested in your denomination. I could care less, and God cares even less than I care. He don't care about your creed and catechism unless it lines up with His Word. Can you say amen? You're not going to stand before your denomination and give an account to them. You're going to give an account to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm glad I'm going to stand before God. I'd hate to stand before some denominational conclave. My pastor went to pray for a man in the hospital dying. His pastor from his denomination had been there, not giving him any hope, because he had not had he had not yet been baptized in water, and he said because of that you can't go to heaven. The man said, well, can't I repent and ask God to forgive me? I should have. I know it's commanded. I broke the commandment. Can't I, can't I repent so I can go to heaven? And his pastor told him, and his wife was in the room when he told him, you should have thought of that before you got sick. I do not want to stand before that outfit. Come on, those denominations are out there that teach that. It wasn't just one pastor going off the rails. It was the denominational teaching. Uh My pastor did what I did, and that's where I learned to do it. He grabbed a towel, soaked it in water, and squeezed it all over him, praise God. Hallelujah. And, and, And got him ready to go to heaven. Isn't it amazing that Jesus would suffer like that and then keep you out of heaven on a technicality? He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Praise God, He did. Thank God for His shed blood today. Thank God for the scripture. Thank God for something that not only takes away the stain of sin, but the stain of conscience. Hallelujah and leaves us clean. Praise God, your body's washed with pure water. When you're born, you're born of the blood and of the water. When you're born again, you're born of the blood and of the water. Hallelujah. Praise God. I watched God raise my grandma up, fill her up, and let her speak in tongues. And not that she needed to talk in tongues to go to heaven. She, it was one of those undone things that she wanted to, done. One of her regrets in her life. And God addressed it all through His mercy and grace. Isn't that an incredible thing? There are churches that won't let you have that. When I tried to get the Holy Ghost, I went down they prayed for me to get the Holy Ghost. I didn't speak in tongues. They pulled me aside and said, you better deal with that sin in your life. I said, what sin? I've been at the altar. I mean, you know, I, I didn't mean that I was sinless. It just meant every time, every time they had an altar call, I just went. I just went. Maybe there's something I don't see, so I'm going down and pray again and again and again and again. There must be something wrong with me. And here, here's the next thing God won't. And listen, there's an element of truth to this. You need to be sanctified, you've got to be washed in the blood. But God won't dwell in an unclean vessel. I thought, my vessel's unclean? <laughs> so I'm, I'm an unclean vessel. So how do I get clean? How do I get clean? Well, the only way I knew is just keep repenting over and over every single Sunday of my life. Even if I didn't sin. I'm not clean enough. And what blew me away when I became became a pastor and I had to go back to the Bible to find out what God had to say about some of this stuff. A lady came to our church from Nova Scotia. To visit us. Her brother had come to our church for a while. She came down to visit him. She came to church. And she had a, a physical ailment. She came down for prayer, came under conviction before we could pray for her body, and she got gloriously saved right there on the spot. The nominations won't allow that either. Some of them won't allow that. Come on. I'm so glad I'm going to stand before God. I'm seriously glad I'm going to stand before God. Oh, don't you dread standing before... Oh, no, that's the best place you can stand is before a God who loves you and has made a provision for you. Hallelujah. She came down. I don't know her past, but I know everybody's got one. And I know it's sin-stained. It's all sin-stained. And so, so she came down and got gloriously saved. And since she started praising God for salvation and got gloriously filled with the holy ghost and i thought why didn't that work for me why did i have to go through such a year of feeling unworthy and unclean and then we prayed for her body and she got gloriously healed and i thought there's people in this congregation been seeking healing for years and they don't feel worthy People afraid to open their mouth and let tongues come forth. People without any confidence or boldness in their relationship to God and with God. And because of that guilt and the condemnation and the shame, they don't come boldly like He requires us to come. We come shame-faced, wondering if He will even listen or receive us. And it's keeping us out of the presence of God where there's fullness of joy. And pleasure at his right hand. Can you say amen? Oh I'm so glad I'm going to stand before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Who is he that condemneth? Paul said. It's Christ that died. It's God that justifieth. What more shall we say to these things? If God be for us. Who can be against us? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. If we get rid of our guilty stains, what a change is going to come. What a change is going to come. I want to, one way of getting rid of your guilty stains, and I practice this in my life, is to begin to focus on, not just one time during the communion service, but to continually, consistently focus on The merits of the blood of Jesus. What has it accomplished in your behalf? And do it until you come to the place that you accept it and receive it. You say, brother, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It matters what you did with Jesus and what you're doing now. That's what matters. Listen to me carefully. I want to just give you some old covenant examples of something that happened with the blood of bulls and goats. How many know that we have a better covenant established on better sacrifices? Can you say amen? But let me just tell you what the blood of bulls and goats and lambs accomplished. What God did under that covenant. And it didn't mean Jesus didn't have to die because the only way any of that could happen is because in the mind and heart of God, He was already crucified. He hadn't been, but in the mind... He's the lamb that was slain when? When he went to the cross? No, 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 no. I said it in the mind and heart of God. He is the lamb that was slain. Can you receive it today? It's in your Bible. It's in your word. From the foundation of the world. When God created man and gave him a free will, he, he knew if he made the wrong choices, he would need a savior. Amen. He knew the risk Of giving man a free will. But he gave it to him. And did they make the wrong choice? Yes they did. Amen. And you know what what happened? The blood covenant began in Genesis. Because in order to clothe those people ashamed of their nakedness. As they were aware of their sinfulness. Amen. An animal. God slayed an animal. He spilled the first blood on this planet. To do what? To cover up the nakedness. You know what the Bible said in the New Testament? It said that we need that robe of righteousness that God grants us through Christ that the shame of our nakedness would not appear. And how did he accomplish that? He took the skin of an animal that he slain. doesn't say what kind of animal, but it could have been a sheep. Amen. One thing for sure, the fig leaf couldn't handle it. Amen. Fig leaves didn't do it. It was, it was the skin of an animal whose blood was shed to clothe them. And it began what is called the scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. You'll find it everywhere in the Bible. Hallelujah. It's representative of the blood of Jesus. Every bit of it is talking about Jesus to come. And none of those blood sacrifices would have been accepted except God's poor knowledge of Jesus going to the cross. It's the only thing that made the Lamb's blood worth anything is that Jesus would become the Lamb of God. Amen. Slain from the foundation of the world in the mind and heart of God. But let me tell you about that. Number one, God wants to put your sin out of sight. And I'm just going to read from the Old Covenant first. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption david talked about that himself said he's delivered me from the horrible pit and when sin has you enslaved it is a terrifying terrible place to be and when guilt is eating you alive you're in a horrible pit it said, he's delivered me from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Don't let the devil hold them before you when God has cast them behind his back. Amen? Now, you can let the devil do that if you want to. You, can let, you, you need an unwelcome mat in your, in your spirit and your mind. Yes, I said an unwelcome mat. They don't sell them at Walmart, do they? There's a welcome mat at Lowe's. But there's not an unwelcome mat. We should patent that. (laughs) So when they come to your door with false doctrine, they'll look down and say, unwelcome when they come selling you something you can't afford and don't need, you can say unwelcome. Read read the mat. Unwelcome. And when the devil comes to remind you of your sin, <laughs> unwelcome. My sin is behind his back. He said, "I don't want to just forgive you and leave you sin laden and sin Guilt, guilt-ridden because of sin. I want to forgive you. I so bad and so much and so extremely that I will cast your sins behind my back. So I'm not looking at you and seeing your sin anymore. You're forgiven. It's real. It's genuine. It's authentic. God has dealt with it. Not only is it out of sight, His sight, it's out of His mind. Jeremiah 31:34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I will remember their sin no more. The New Testament said as it is written in the Old Covenant. As it is written, now in Jesus Christ, I will cast your sins as far away from you as the east is from the west, and your sins will I remember no more. There's a song out that says, what sins are you talking about? If you try to tell God about those sins that you've been forgiven of when you confessed them and repented of them, he said, what sins are you talking about? I distinctly remember forgetting that. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, he said he would forget it. He wants you to forget it. Not because it's trivial, but because. And it should be a humble forgetfulness. Lord, I am forgiven because you are forsaken. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Every day of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. My sins are forgiven completely. They're forgotten. God will never bring them up. He will never associate you as a New Testament believer with those sins of your past. And meditating on that great truth is to help you get rid of the guilt of those sins. The sin stain is gone. The guilt stain is what we're addressing today. And it's out of reach. devil can't dig it up. Because you can't dig that deep. I'm leaving it open. How deep is it? I'm waiting for you to ask. How deep is it? Micah 7 and verse 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. What? And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. One man read this. He said, what said I here? I hear plop, plop like little pebbles falling in the ocean. And I hear splash kersplash, splash, like big boulders falling into the ocean. And I looked to see what was making the pebble sound and the boulder sound of ker- splash in the ocean. And he said it was God. Casting away our sins. The big ones. The bad ones. The little ones. The in between ones. He said but they're all sinking. To the bottom. Never to surface again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're all sinking to the bottom. They're out of sight. They're out of mind. And they're out of reach. If you don't in your mind go digging for them. The devil will never be able to dig them up. God will never bring it up. Because it's forgotten. I distinctly remember forgetting that. Hallelujah. So don't you go dwelling on it. Come on, give God some credit here. He's promising to do this. Don't let the devil get you to do it. He can't do it. God won't do it. Don't let him talk you into doing it. Because the day that you do, you will not come boldly. You won't come with courage and confidence that God is going to welcome you, receive you, hear you, help you, and answer you. Amen. In our church, Brother David, the greatest service we could have was to get everybody in the altar. Pastor, pastor's wife, all the deacons, all the Sunday school teachers, all the brethren, all the sisters... All the brothers, just get us all in the altar. That was the thing. And everybody in the altar, hallelujah. Yeah, that was it. The altar, sir. And it was all repenting. only thing is, we kept repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting. It's hard to get healed. It was hard to get those people healed. Because they never felt they were worthy. Pastor got up and he said, he said there was a guy on a light pole. And there was this man driving by. I know him personally. And he said the guy was on the light pole and said the guy drove by. And he said he felt the urge to go back and witness to him. And he didn't. And he heard the next day that the guy got electrocuted. And he said, and now his blood is on his, in other words, indelibly on his hands. And the guilt rolls in. There are people backslidden. My dad went to a revival, and it took me two, three and a half years of his caregiver to get him to the place that he could accept that he was saved. You thought he had that covered all these years in church. He said, I learned more about God from you, Bobby, talking with me and teaching me than all those years in church because one thing gave him a, a view that was wrong of God and of salvation. He said, I went to an evangelistic meeting shortly after coming to Christ as my Savior. And he said, and I remember, because he never forgot the name of the evangelist, Johnny Trevilian was his name. He said, Johnny Trevelyan was preaching. And he said that Johnny Trevilian was calling people to repentance. He said, there's a lot of you in here that think you're saved and you're not. And I know that to be true. That part was true. But when you do know, you can know. I've written these things unto you, John says. First John, I've written these things unto you that you might know you have eternal life. Can you say, man, this is a no-so thing. This is not a hope-so thing. Amen. You don't put your soul into the hope-so area. You put it in the no-so area. Can you say, man, hallelujah. But here's what was preached. He said, I, I, I was taken out in a dream or a vision. I know not what. This is the preacher, the evangelist. And he said, I was standing at the gate of heaven. And it wouldn't open. And I thought, what's wrong? Why can't I enter? And he said that God spoke to him. Now, I know God didn't because this violates the word. This violates the word. What's coming next? If you're in a denomination that violates the word, you need to get out of it. If you're under condemnation all the time, you don't have the fullness of the richness of the blessing of the blood of Jesus operating in your life. Now! Therefore, that's not the next part of this. I'm just getting ahead of myself. It's so good I couldn't wait. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know what he said? He said, you can't come in, Johnny. Johnny because you didn't dot the i and you didn't cross the t now i know mike when he grades papers of course you're not an english teacher you're a math teacher so you wouldn't say you didn't dot the i so you get a d plus you know if the answer is correct it sh- you should get more than a d plus if you forget to dot the i None of us would have graduated from anything if we had to dot every I and cross every T. None of us are going to heaven if you got to dot every I and cross every T. Can you say, man? But it scared my dad so bad, he had a nervous breakdown. When I was 12 years old, he lived under the fear of going to hell as a child of God. A good man. With Anyone that knew him knew he was a sweetheart. He had a good heart, didn't he, Brother Dave? Amen. But he had a nervous... And you know what drove him into that nervous anxiety and breakdown? The fear of going to hell. The fear of... Of going to hell. He never lost that fear. Because it kept being instilled in him. I, I married a couple. And the mother was a teenage daughter. She's 17 years old. She didn't do the dishes. And her mother whose husband was a pastor. Her mother told her. You are disobeying your parents. You are going to hell. Now, when you instill that in a 17 year old that has come to Christ and and is a, just having a problem with obedience to parents. When were anybody here ever 17? Were you the sweetest of the fang? Were you so sweet him so sweet when he was 17? He just loved I love my mama. Oh my mama, I'd do anything for my mama. My mama say, say something to me, I'm on it. I'm gonna take care of it. What I got from her. You okay. You don't tell somebody that that their soul is in jeopardy because they're just a human being with those things that we all went through. Amen. It's not going to damn your soul to hell. What's going to damn everybody? Listen, somebody talked to me at work about when I was bivocational. They said, Rev, tell us about the seven deadly sins. You know, the gluttony and the this and the that and the other. I I said, wait, wait, let's don't even go down that list. All sin is deadly. Not just seven of them. You know, if we get them seven, then we're going to be okay. No, there's way more than seven things that qualify as sin. Whatever's not a faith is sin, if you want to go into that area. But here's what Jesus said. This is the condemnation. This is what's going to damn souls. Light has come into the world. And men love darkness and chose it over the light. If they were of the light, they would come to the light, that their deeds might be manifest, that they're wrought in light. But they chose and loved darkness over light. They wouldn't when the light of the glory of God and the light of the gospel, when that revelation and that illumination that it brings shined in the heart, they rejected it and chose the darkness. They're going to hell because they rejected Salvation through the blood of Christ. Not because of this sin or that sin, but because of rejecting that that covers all sin. Amen. Hallelujah. If you sin as a Christian, we confess our sin. And if we say we don't have any, like they're saying all over America, holding back revival, we lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin, not only is He faithful to forgive it, He's justified. He's just. That means he's not looking over it. He's saying that sin was punished in Jesus Christ on the cross therefore I can forgive it and still be holy I can forgive it and still be just because justice has been served at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light can you say man, hallelujah that's why the preaching of the cross is so powerful hallelujah because it puts sin out of sight it puts it out of God's mind it puts it out out of the reach of Of the devil, their sins are cast into the depths of the sea. And fourthly, out of existence. Out of existence. Sin could be forgiven under the Old Covenant, but in the New Testament, it's remitted. It's remitted. It's remitted. It's gone. And something called justification. A forensic term, a courtroom term. Just as if I had never sinned is how I'm going to stand before God. Wow, what a standing we had in Jesus. What an incentive to come boldly before the throne. Whatever you're struggling with, He's in the battle with you now. Every, you ain't struggling alone. You don't have to do it by yourself. Because you can't, you know there's a scripture that says, can a leopard change their spots? Well, of course not. He can't. He can't change. I can't even grow any taller by wishing I could. Amen. Amen. this bump right over here, my man. I love this man. We can look. I can look him eye to eye. I had to stand in the chair to look you eye to eye. He's just. He's justified. Because Jesus paid the price at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. Getting sins forgiven on God's part is easy. Getting sins forgiven in our conscience and heart. The guilt is the hard part. You're not in this by yourself. God's in it with you now. Can a leopard change their spots? No, that's, what, that's the nature but when Jesus comes in, the Bible said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That change is wrought by the Spirit of God within us. As we behold as in a glass His face, we are changed. Everybody say metamorpho. Do you know the English counterpart? And what? Anybody gets seventh grade biology? Amen. Metamorphosis. What is that? It's when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon. And after a little time has spent in that cocoon, it bursts open. And that old ugly caterpillar comes forth a beautiful winged creature called a butterfly. Can a leopard change its spots? No. That's what it is. It is what it is. Can God change the leopard? Absolutely. Nothing is impossible with God. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation old things have passed away everything have become new can you say man and the bible said when we're baptized in water we're buried with christ the past is gone we're raised up with christ to walk in the newness of life hallelujah back at camp meeting days we used to sing i looked at my hands after i got saved i look at my hands and they look new i looked at my feet and they did too that's about the time we all did the chicken dance. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Spirit of God would come down. Let's go on, on and on, talking about this good old way. Let's go on, on and on, talking about the Lord. Isaiah forty three twenty five. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. I will blot out Thy transgressions. Glory to God. Out of sight. Out of mind. Hallelujah. Don't ever look back. Don't ever look back once you come to Christ. Never look back. Never look back. Because going back is always the result of looking back. And discourage people who feel like I have sinned and therefore God... Can't have anything to do with me. I told you this and i got to tell you in closing. I went to pray for a dear friend. With stomach cancer. He had given his heart to Christ. He got really saved. His whole life turned around. But before he got saved. He played in a gospel group. And he played the role of a Christian Without knowing Christ. And he lived in compromise and sin. And the guilt was layering in. And it was good guilt. Because the conscience will allow God to convict you of sin. So what can happen? So your sin can be forgiven. So he can restore what sin had taken from you. Amen? So there's a good work of the conscience when we feel guilty over our sin and we come to Christ to confess it and be forgiven. But after we're forgiven, the devil uses the same conscience that God used to get you saved. To keep you in guilt and therefore keep you from receiving his blessing because you keep disqualifying yourself. And I went to pray for his healing and I had fasted. I had my bottle of oil in my pocket we had just seen a lady healed in our church, praise God, of cancer, of, of the, the uh, intestine, intestinal cancer. They were scheduled to take out a big part of her intestine, and sometimes they can reattach it, but this time they were going to have to give her a colostomy so the rest of her life her bowels would have to move in the bag on her side. She came to our church on a Wednesday night, had prayer. She went back to the doctor. They took the final x-rays before the surgery date so they would know exactly how big the mass was and what they were dealing with. And she wrote us a letter back. She said, I was in church this morning giving a testimony, and I thought, I didn't even tell you guys. (laughs) And I thought, well, I'm glad you got around to telling us. Amen. Good news like that we all need to hear. She wrote a letter back, lives in Zephyr Hills. She wrote a letter back, and she said, when y'all prayed for me, she said, I didn't really feel anything, but I went back to the doctor, and the doctor took the final x-rays, and he come in, and he looked befuddled. He looked bewildered and befuddled. He said, we, we can't see the mass. We, we, we can't see the mass. We can't see the mass. But he was so determined... That it was there, even though now he couldn't see it, because doctors have a real problem with God stepping in. Amen. (laughs) They really, really do. They're men of science, and science don't allow for that. (laughs) But the things that are impossible with men, Jesus said they're possible with God. Can a leopard change his spots? No, but can God change that leopard? Yes, He can. (laughs) Hallelujah. And yes, He does. (laughs) Glory to God. So they opened her up. Because they didn't even believe their own x-ray. And they looked for it, but they couldn't find it. And there ain't no need cutting and testing out. Of there ain't nothing wrong with it. She said, God healed me and I'm healed to this day. Amen. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wednesday night in a little church on the corner down in Suffering Springs. Hallelujah. God showed up and God showed out. Hallelujah. 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 Let us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy to help in the time of any need. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God wants a people that will be bold in their faith. Bold in their approach to Him. Bold in their testimony. Amen. Bold. Bold faith. Bold intercession. Bold praying. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's those kind of people that that they're so convinced that Jesus is going to show grace and mercy. There's a crowd and they can't get into the house where He is. And they bring a man on a stretcher. And they can't get in. And they say, we're going to get him in. We're going to get him in. We're going to get him in. And they climb up on the roof, and then they put down ropes, and they pull the man on the stretcher, in the stretcher, up onto the roof, and then they start tearing the tile off the roof, and Jesus is inside teaching with a packed house, and the tile is coming off. And a big hole is appearing. And a man in a stretcher is being lowered down through that hole. And Jesus stops everything and looks up. And when he saw, what? Their faith. faith. All of them. Oh yeah, not just the people letting him down, but the guy that let them do that. (laughs) Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) You see a guy in a wheelchair out there, and you you can't get him in, and you start letting him down through the roof, uh, it's going to take some faith on his part to let you let them do that he saw all their faith amen and when he saw their faith he healed him hallelujah praise god that was a different kind of faith hallelujah praise god you press on in you press on in i went to pray for my dear brother and he i said are you ready to receive healing are you ready god wants god loves you God loves you. You're 54 years old. There's a lot of life before you. You're just 54 years old. God can call you home anytime He wants to, but it's not God calling you home. This is cancer trying to kill you. There's a difference in God calling you home and cancer trying to kill you. Amen. 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 We can't blame all that on God. God is not the author of sickness and disease. Sin allowed it to come. Satan is the author of it. He said, Brother Bobby, I've done some awful things. And I thought, here we go. Here we go. I have done some awful things. See, the stain of sin, as far as God's concerned, forgiven, forgotten, cast away, put behind his back. But the stain of conscience and guilt had not been removed. And he was in no position, no spiritual condition, to receive anything from the Lord. Do you understand why guilt is so important to get rid of? Do you get it today? In my early church experience, guilt was layered on us. We all felt we we never quite made the grade And I remember when my daddy finally... It was like a light bulb going on. When he finally figured out, after going through a nervous breakdown and mental torment his whole life, when finally the peace of God came over him. It came over him, actually, in a nursing home after a bout with pneumonia while he was recovering. And he looked up at me, and boy, it had been a struggle trying to convince him. Trying to convince him with the Scripture. He said... He said, Bobby, he said, I I know that I'm ready to go meet the Lord. And he said, Bobby, I'm so tired. He said, would you pray? Now, all that fear of death and dying and fear of judgment to come was gone now. He just wanted to go be with the Lord, be with his family. Ninety-three, his body was wore out. He said, Bobby, will you pray God will just let me go to sleep and go home? I said, Dad, are you ready to go? I, 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 It's hard for me to pray that. It was hard for you to let go too, wasn't it? It was hard for me to let go. He was a sweet daddy. And, and I said, Dad, if, if that's what you want, I'll pray it with you. And I said, Lord, you've heard my dad's plea. He's your son. He's one of the sheep of your pasture. And I just pray that you will answer his prayer like he prayed it. He misses his family. He wants to go be with you. And I left it at that. One week passed. One week. And I got a call at home from a nurse at the nursing home. She said, Mr. Venable, I'm concerned about your dad. He just don't look right today. He's kind of listless and... I'm going to send him to South Florida Baptist Hospital and let them check him out. And I said, well, tell him I'll meet him there. Because we're both about five minutes away from there. The nursing home and us, about the same distance, about five minutes. The lighter train don't catch you. And I went to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, last thing dad heard was, Bobby will meet you there. Bobby's going to meet you there. He knew two things. I'm going to get checked out of the hospital, and my son is coming. And so I went to the hospital, and two nurses came and said, Mr. Venable, would you come with us? And we walked around to a private room, and I knew right then. I knew. They didn't have to say it. I seen it on their faces. I knew it. And they said, sir, we hate to give you the news, but your dad has passed. I said, okay. I said, how? How did it happen? What happened? Can you tell me that? said, well, when he got here, he was asleep. (laughs) And we tried to wake him up, and he wouldn't wake up. So we checked his vitals, and everything was just going right on down. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. It's exactly what we ask God for. And my daddy, with faith in his heart, peace in his mind, went to be with the Lord. And he was so comfortable at that moment, in the back of that ambulance, where's he going? Hospital, get checked out. Who's he going to meet there? Bobby's going to meet you there. He just went to sleep. (laughs) This man that had been tormented with conscience and tormented with doubt, All his life had peace in his mind and in his heart. And he went to sleep and went on out into eternity. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for a good death. Really a release from a failed body with peace of mind. And in the heart of knowledge, I'm saved. I'm going home. I'm going to see my mama, my daddy, my brothers, my uncles, my aunts, and my aunts. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't God good today? Did you get anything out of this? Are you ready to get rid of the chains and stains of guilt? Brother, would you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hearts to the Lord. Let's just lift our hearts and praise Him today. There's some people in here who are going to become bold in your faith. You're going to become bold in your witness. You're going to become bold in your testimony because those chains that the devil wants to put back on you to hold you back, they're being broken. By the anointing and by the blood and by the precious word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I can see warriors rising up in this room. Hallelujah. I can see an army rising up in this room right here. Praise God. There are are weak people here. But the Bible said through faith in that finished work of Christ, in the blood of Jesus Christ, in the atonement, in the cross... Through faith, out of weakness, out of weakness, out of weakness, they were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight and put the armies of the aliens to flight. That's a bold warrior for God that started out as someone weak and seemingly debilitated spiritually. That through faith rose up and became what God had already predestined them to become hallelujah mighty warriors for jesus christ hallelujah let's give him praise in this place in this song god is good today god is good today